The First World War, or the Great War, it was humanity's first great failure. It was a breakdown of communications within the palaces of power across Europe as empires started to struggle and collapse. In an era where industrialization was flourishing and fueling the drive in technological advancement, the birth of capitalism and globalization, and in a time where education and mass media were becoming ever more important, the old world was struggling to find a way to progress. And with the old world were the old guard, the protectors of empires. But it wouldn't be long before these powerful families across Europe would clash. As empires fell, other empires saw opportunities to seize land and expand. The powers of Europe were at war, and instead of sorting it all out over the Christmas dinner table, it spilled out to the rest of the world, causing one of the bloodiest and most horrific wars in our history. As gamers, we're often thrown into historical battles and asked to fight it out, but with this being the centenary year for humanity's first world war, should we be looking to remember these wars in a different way, or to just arming ourselves up and shooting through a swarm of enemies? And with this war in particular, shouldn't we focus on the humanity, rather than trivialise its impact and condense it into a game? And what real memories do we have of the time? In this centenary year, we see a very different kind of game from Bandai Namco, 11-11 Memories Retold. The difference in this is that you don't have a weapon, and you don't take a single shot, nor is a single person killed by you. This unique insight allows you to see the war from a totally different perspective, and actually brings to the fore the horrors of the war. 11-11 Memories Retold was done primarily to commemorate the centenary year, however with the world climate the way that it is, with the rise of nationalism or the polarisation of society and the failure of economic institutions to protect the masses, we start seeing a lot of parallels from then to now, and I wondered how much of what we were seeing now is a warning from the past. I asked Johan Fenix, the creative director at Digix Art and the brains behind Valiant Heart, Ubisoft's first World War offering from a few years ago, whether this was something he had thought about. Exactly. Even though it's not a, a political act, uh, this game, but I always had in mind that by, by putting the player in the two perspectives on the two sides of war, he would think differently and he would start to say, OK, but now I understand the, the two sides, so so hope it. So that, that's why it's important when you think about the modern times right now, like you said, the, the rise of nationalism, the, the polarization of the society. It, it, I think it comes a lot from the fact that people don't have the two, the two sides. They, they don't have a, a good perspective. They, they only have their own like perspective and they miss a lot the other one. And um, that, that's maybe why it's so important to, have, uh, to play two characters and not only one. Finis had been inspired from working on Assassin's Creed 3 and the historical events the game had been based around. That then led him to head up Ubisoft's Valiant Hearts team game effort, which was also set in the First World War, and followed three different characters. But why did Finis think to do another game set in the First World War, in a different art style with a different perspective, using the same mechanics as before? Johan Finis on leaving the Assassin's team and heading back to France to work on Valiant Hearts. But it was very interesting to see uh, how we can talk about history in a, in a video game. Uh, but then when I went back to France, um, I wanted to make something about history, but 
that would speak about it in a different way, that would speak about uh, a, a subject like war, that is a, a very strong subject, but with a different point of view, and uh, talking about war in a more uh, real real way. Mm -hmm. And it's what is uh, astonished with um, with Valiant Hearts is that we didn't took a, a realistic uh, visual point of view, but we took a realistic, like, emotional point of view. And... And so that was the, 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 the intention at the beginning. But is commemorating the war enough? And really, what relevance does it have on our society today, other than just remembering those that fell? We thought we'd ask an expert historian who's helped consult on 11-11 Memories Retold, and asked him about the historical accuracy of the game. My name is Dr Chris Kempshell. Um, I'm a teaching fellow in modern European history at the University of Sussex, and an associate lecturer at the University of Kent. To a weird extent, people clearly think it's still a relevant thing, otherwise we wouldn't be commemorating it. At the same time, there's a kind of a feeling that it was so long ago. And I think, weirdly, that's because all of the images of it are in black and white. And I think there's a very interesting detachment between the First World War, which is you know, a fairly important milestone on the road to what's going to happen for the rest of the 20th century, for it to feel so detached to our everyday lives yeah. now, possibly because I don't think people can fully imagine how it must have been in colour. But it wasn't just about the war at the time. The global politics of the world was changing rapidly, and a lot of where we are today can be attributed back to that time in history. Dr. Chris Kempshaw. And what you actually kind of see from this kind of this time period is a changing understanding and a changing approach effectively to the application of power, where previously kind of ancient hereditary empires um, in their interactions with each other, it's always kind of a consideration, you know, I wanted to do this, but how will it be received in Berlin? Or how will it be received in, in London? Or how will it be received in, in Paris? Um, <clears throat> following the First World War, when these, these empires begin to collapse, the Austro-Hungarian Empire collapses, mm. the Ottoman Empire collapses, <clears throat> the Kaiser Reich collapses, what you then see is power kind of moving from these centralised empires into partially into a vacuum, but then you also begin to see the, 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 the emergence of self-determination. So brand new countries coming into, um, into being, but coming into being into a kind of a power infrastructure to vacuum. You know, if you've always been ruled by Vienna, mm. how do you now create and rule a sustainable country in the knowledge that you're surrounded by countries that are either collapsing into civil war or mm. also emerging into a brand new world. It, it's, it's a complicated moment. The focus, however, wasn't about the global domination or the change of the guard or the collapse of the empires and the formation of new countries. This game is about personal relationships of the war. It looks at how the war affected millions of people, the impact it had on individuals, not empires. It uses a very clever mechanic in the way in which you have to interact by writing letters and taking photos as a means of communication during the Great War. These communications were vital for the morale of the troops, and being able to communicate with their families gave them a sense of purpose, but more importantly it allowed for families to know their loved ones were safe. So I asked Johan how much of the story was based on real-life events. All of, all of those moments, they are based on real events I, I found. And some of them are really even personal stories of my great-grandfather. Wow. Uh, and I transposed them uh, mostly on the Kurt side, on the German side in this story. Uh, the, the look for his son 
for example, my great grandfather uh, lost his brother, and his brother was missing, and and they didn't know exactly where he was. He was buried, or they, they had uh, no information about the location. And so after war, he went to to the front again, uh, and then he had to to find his brother. And uh, after different uh, research, he found uh, his his body in a giant cemetery. And, and this moment, when I, I, I read that letter, when he says, uh, he says very simple words. He just says, uh, I've been, I arrived to uh, the name of the cemetery. Um, I'm, I'm exhausted because he has no more legs. He was, you know, uh, handicapped after war. Mm. And he said, I, I'm exhausted. I just did the ex exhumation. And, um, uh, I, and then he says the point, uh, I, I have no doubt. And that's it. I've made new friends. Franz and Lothar. We play cards when we have the time and talk of home often. They're good men. I have arrived now, stationed at Vimy as an engineer. Engineers can use the radios, and I will listen for news of Max every single day. This is what I wanted to have in the game, that through letters we can feel, uh, okay, this is what they live. And uh, like you said, the, the postal... The, the post was crucial. There was millions and millions of letters that were sent at that moment. And because when you read them, you realize that the frequency of the letter, this loop of I send you a letter, you send me back a letter, I send you back a letter, it creates a link. And if this link is broken at the moment that you, you forget or you wait too much for sending back a letter, then a, a huge worry starts to, to be created because it means, oh my God, maybe, maybe something happened. Must remember to write home today. Heard we go over soon. You came here at the wrong time, my friend. It's not just about the letters creating that empathetic link between you, the player, and the game. You really had to feel for the characters, and in order for you to do that, there had to be some really good voice talent. So the studios decided to bring in some big names in order to fill that role. Sebastian Koch on the German side playing Kurt and Elijah Wood playing Harry, the Canadian photographer. The creative director on the project was Bram Tween from Ardman Studios, probably better known for Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run. Like Sebastian Koch, for example, he, his, he brought such a lot of depth to that character once we got him in the studio. I mean, and it helps, of course, in terms of, you know, purely in terms of capitalism, it helps. But um, their experience and just their delivery just brings so much to, so much to a character and really helps um, the viewer or stroke player engage. And likewise with Elijah Wood, it was just amazing. He seemed to just go through the whole thing and him being a gamer himself, he was just able to sort of grasp the whole Aspect. We spent weeks on that boat, and it was a few weeks more before we got to Vimy. I was so excited. Hell, I was like a kid at Christmas. And with the Major looking out for me, I wouldn't have to worry about the war. Yeah, because it lets the player uh, imagination goes on, so the player can, can feel 
and can because he's listening mostly because the faces are kind of blurry uh, he has to imagine what what is their really deep emotion so it's all through the voices and and uh, be able to work of course with with Elijah and Sebastian Koch was was wonderful because they could bring this subtlety this kind of sub, very subtle emotions that that we needed uh, and that I couldn't convey this time with a gibberish language a reference there to the Rabbids and Valley and Hearts language, which Johan was responsible for creating. But back to the letters. Uh, the content of the letters back from the rear, uh, they are different depending on what you send, like the photo you send as Harry mm. and the line you choose to, to put in your letters as Kurt. Yeah. So this is interesting. And then at the end, towards the last two sequences, then you have a huge impact and then and then you realize like whoa my god this is the impact now on what i have done and um, the good thing also is we don't want people to have to replay the whole game to have another ending because we know we don't have time now nowadays to play again a full game depending on the choice of the content of the letter the ending would change accordingly the impressionist art style was very much of the time but more importantly the art style affords you the same anonymity as you'd expect from the aforementioned black and white imagery there's a disconnect to reality, almost creating a haze or blur, which many soldiers would have felt and recalled after the end of the conflict. You feel anonymous and alone. Bram Tweem again. But it did. I mean, when I first was invited to uh, participate, I was quite enthusiastic about producing it in a more sort of uh, modernist art style because it seemed in, in my head I was thinking, oh yeah, yeah, the World War kind of kick-started a lot of modernism because there was such huge shifts in society as, as a result of it, you know, and the dawn of mass media, etc. Um, but um, it sort of fairly quickly became obvious that these sort of more brutal modernist styles um, tend to sort of uh, make you feel a certain way. Whereas if you just sort of step back a couple of years to the sort of the ending of the Impressionistic era, uh, which is where which is the world our characters in the story would have come from. It's a much more sort of subjective and softer way of telling the story because it, it allows you more scope, I think, for this particular kind of story. And um, yeah, it just seemed very suitable because a large part of this is trying to tell the stories subjectively from both sides. So because you play as one side and as the other side. I really wanted it to be uh, able to express emotions and that's why we went for this kind of impressionistic painterly because I wanted us to be able to to uh, show the emotion of the character and the evolution of the emotions uh, because you know when you go to war of course you're going to be traumatized you're going to you're going to see things that that will change your your life forever so this kind of uh, of consequences, we have to portray them, we have to show them, and uh, and so that's why we went for this this painterly look, and uh, because my, one of my example was was the the famous uh, portrait of, of Van Gogh in mm. front of this this blue greenish wall, and and you you see by the way paint the wall that that is crazy it starts to be really really crazy and so it's this this kind of thing is good because i also wanted to be able to show uh, emotion uh, in a simple environments like a, a kitchen like like a location that is not fancy Mm. but that in this location we could express something. What I really wanted to know though was why it was so important to create a game to commemorate the centenary of the war. 
I asked him whether or not part of the driving factor to create the game was to keep the memory alive, and if the memory of the horrors of war were dying out. In the, in, um, in the British uh, uh, Union, in the Commonwealth, uh, you celebrate uh, still World War One. there's still the poppy tradition, and this is something we don't have in France. And, uh, and, and now our grandparents are, are at the end of their lives, mm -hmm. and so this memory, if they didn't uh, pass it through the young generation, it's, it's really uh, starts to be lost now. But why do we celebrate with a poppy? And is it still important? Or is it something we do out of guilt? Is there a better way to, one for a better word, celebrate it? Dr. Chris Kempshaw. I think the, the main thing to say is that we societies don't commemorate things that don't offer them something today. So the commemoration process of any of either the First or the Second World Wars tells us far more about society today than it tells us about um, the wars at the time. Um, which is why, and we know that because we commemorate the First World War and we don't commemorate the Boer War or mm. the Anglo-Zulu War, for example. Mm. Um, now, <clears throat> how we use that kind of commemoration process has evolved repeatedly over the last hundred years. It has never been a consistent approach to commemorating the First World War. Um, what you see is evolutions over time. So you see an e initial evolution in the 1920s. You see another evolution in the 1960s. You see another evolution in the 1980s and the 1990s, and you end up with what we have today. But it's not just about the evolution of the commemoration. It's the way in which we pass these stories on to the next generation. We live in a very different world. The world of social media has meant that there is a communal, written history of the world that is documented by everyone's personal experience. World events are commented on across all social media platforms. At the turn of the last century, mass populations were starting to be able to read and write, but the only historical artefacts were from letters and diaries. So how important is it for us to treasure these insights from the past? Bram Tween. It's quite an important, it feels to me quite an important thing that it's, um, it's not forgotten in that respect. And if we can do something to help um, educate sort of young, you know, teenagers, hopefully, but a, a broader demographic than that, you know, because we want the, the appeal of this game, hopefully, is going to, you know, be multi-generational. This kind of oral uh, memory is disappearing right now. And I think it's very important to try to, to revive it, uh, maybe before it's too late, I don't know, uh, and to make sure that people remember and that, that they know exactly what happened, why it happened, and, and what it is war for real, because we are lucky we are a generation that has not been through, through war. Um, so this forest, it could sound far uh, and uh, not uh, real. Uh, so that's why it's important also to, to be uh, cautious and serious about that. We know that video games set in the Second World War glorify generally, but how is the glorification of the Second World War any different to that of the First World War? And why can we get away with more glorification during the Second World War campaigns than we can in the First? Dr. Chris Kempshaw. In Second World War games, your, your job is to win it. You're there to win the war, you know, defeat the Nazis, defeat Hitler, save the world for democracy. Whereas in First World War games, your objective is to survive. But in First World War games, the enemy that you struggle against is the war. Yeah, yeah. The war is almost like a sentient thing that's just chewing people up. Um, and what that allows in things like A Valiant Hearts and Memories Retold is actually for you to play German. Ich habe gehört, Sie versetzen dich, Kurt. Vier Monate sind eine ganz schön lange Zeit. Hoffentlich leben wir dann noch. Dear Katrin, 
I was sent underground again today. To the tunnels where we listened to the enemy. Lothar's shift ended, his mind began. Yeah, because we, when you read all those testimonies and letters about real people that have been to war, they never talk about uh, shooting as a fun thing. They never talk about shooting, maybe because it's a taboo subject, in fact. It's something that you realize when they write that uh, they, they fear the moment they will have to, to, to kill someone. In fact, what I, I had is that they they fear mostly the moment that they have to kill someone even more than to be killed. Because uh, if you kill, you kill, that's it. But if, if you have to kill someone and you see that in front of your eyes, it will follow you for the, for the rest of your life. Mm. And this is what traumatized soldiers, even in any war like today's also. So this is something I want people to think about. Like if you would there, if you would be there, what, what would you do? And what would be your choice? And, and, and you see now with those letters that uh, most of the time they, they also try to not, to not shoot and to not be shot. It was the war that was meant to end all wars. Little did we know that 20, 25 years later, another global conflict would erupt. True, it would have a very different outcome with a very different enemy. But ever since then, we've had wars all over the world, in every continent, in every decade, and we are still seeing those wars today. We've learned nothing as a human race, and if anything, this game can teach us to respect and remember those that have fallen before us for the freedoms that they fought for us. It should also act as a reminder that we should be better humanitarians, softer with our people, because at the end of the day, the person, the enemy, that's down your sights is still a person, a person that has a mother, that has a father, that has a family. We've entered the 21st century with destruction and war and less humanity than there has ever been before. 1111 Memories Retold is a poignant reminder that we should take a step back and remember all those that fell before us for all the things that we stand for today. You've been listening to A Look at History. The programme was written, presented and produced by Tamaras Fahani. This has been a Magdus Media production for Checkpoint magazine.